There's a place called the Sunlit Lands. People say that it doesn't exist, that it's just a fairy tale, a myth, a story, but they're wrong. Unlike Narnia or Middle-earth or any number of other invented fantasies, the Sunlit Lands are real. A magical place full of people unlike any you've ever met before. I've been there. I've walked through the gates of the city called Farseeing. I've sat in the green shadows of the great trees in Aluvoria. I've stood at the edge of the Ginian Sea and watched as the crystal stars rose on the horizon. It's a place full of wonder and beauty and danger. It isn't easy to get there. It's difficult to find. The journey is long, but it's worth it. And I want you, dear listener, to be ready for that journey so that when you arrive in the sunlit lands, you'll have some knowledge of the people, of their stories, and of their world. So join me as we explore the stories, the songs, proverbs, and poems of the diverse peoples of this incredible world. Welcome to the Sunlit Lands. Hello, my name is Matt Michelotis, and I'm one of the leading scholars in the study of the sociology, history, and psychology of the many people who live in the magical world called the Sunlit Lands. My particular expertise is in the storytelling traditions of these wonderful, diverse people. Last week, in our first episode, we looked at a skim legend. The skim are a people of the Sunlit Lands. We looked at a skim legend of the peasant king. I'm glad to say we've already received some listener emails. You can always send your thoughts and comments to Matt, M-A-T-T, at thesunlitlands.com. Here's our first note from Christy. I loved the story so good, and the intro with the music is a great way to open the podcast up. Thank you, Christy. I'm so glad you liked it. The music was done by my daughter, Allie, on her ukulele. Since academia sees no value in my single-handed efforts to bring attention to the people of the Sunlit Lands, and I can't get grants... I had to have my daughter do the music. Luckily, she is both talented and delightful. Uh, let's see. Ah, yes, we have another letter here as well. This one is from R.J. Soretsarov. Soretsarov. Soretsarov, huh? Sounds. Oh, is that Russian, R.J.? It sounds Russian. What does R.J. have to say? Dear Matt, your podcast is not about a fantasy world. It lives in one. Everything you say is false. I don't believe for a moment that your sunlit lands are real. You are a hack, a pretender, a swindler. P.S. Where are you recording? In your kitchen? The audio is terrible. Please move into a studio or a closet or better yet, stop with your insane ramblings altogether. Well, R.J., I'll have you know that I was actually recording in my kitchen, so there. Uh, but this time, I am recording in my closet, surrounded by piles of clothes to make the sound better. It reminds me, actually, in fact, of the scene in The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe when the children enter the wardrobe. I'm pretending even now to be moving into the beautiful fantasy world of Narnia. So think about that, Mr. Soretsarov. Soretsarov. Wait a minute. 
R.J. Soretsarov. R.J. That's J.R. backwards. And Soretsarov Forasteros. J.R. Forasteros, my old nemesis. Just because you have not been recognized among Sunlit Land scholars in the same way that I have, that's no excuse for you to send harassing letters. If you're so keen to debate the reality of the Sunlit Lands, why don't you stop hiding behind assumed names and come on the podcast and debate me? Oh, that's right. Because you, sir, are a coward. But enough distraction. Take a deep breath. Let us turn our attention to the reason for this podcast, the myths legends, and stories of the wonderful people of the sunlit lands, laying aside the less wonderful people of this world that we live in. Last week, we looked at a story from the Skim people about the magician who founded the sunlit lands, a magician the Skim call the Peasant King. In the current day, the Skim society is one of enormous poverty and an economic system that is bound up with that of the wealthier, more dominant people group, called the LNL. The LNL, in many ways, are the ruling class of the Sunlit Lands. Governmental, cultural, and religious trends are largely dominated by the LNL. They have a completely different worldview than the Skim, of course, and their main city is called the Court of Far-Seeing. Far-Seeing is a wonderful place, beautiful white walls and towers, and in the center of the city, a hill, which rises up. And at the center of the hill is the Archon's palace, the tower without doors. Uh, the Archon is the ruler of the LNL and as such, the de facto ruler of the Sunlit Lands. There are nine magistrates among the LNL, with the Archon being the main ruler, the first among equals, and the center of LNL power, magic, and authority. Now, there are many other people in the Sunlit Lands as well. The Skim, of course, you know, who've been at war with the LNL for many years, decades, possibly centuries, and yet are also bound up with them in nearly every way you can imagine. But there are others too. Uh, the nomadic Kakri people who live in the deserts to the east, uh, a truly striking people with skin the color and variety of sand. The Magrum, a diminutive subterranean people whose allegiance tends toward the skim, as near as I can tell. And the Janin, a fiercely independent seagoing people who come to land only for brief seasons of trade or to kill those who they believe are misusing magic in such a way as to upset the balance. Oh, and the Alivorians, uh, an arboreal race of kind-hearted creatures who are essential to the LNL way of life in that they guard the wellspring of magic, which comes from the center of their forest. As is typical of a dominant people group like the LNL, they have several mythopoeic explanations for why they not only are the most powerful people in their social structure, but why they must remain so. And although the LNL do not resort, as many other cultures do, to saying their authority is the result of a divine order, they come quite close in that they do indeed say that the founder of the Sunlit Lands, a powerful magician that they call the Majestic One, put them in charge. 
you may recall the skim call this same legendary figure the peasant king. There is strong debate here between the skim and the LNL. The LNL say that the skim conception of the majestic one as a ruler of peasants and kind-hearted wisdom giver is so woefully inaccurate as to be false. The majestic one should be respected for he is the most powerful and authoritative being who has ever walked in the sunlit lands. In fact, there are LNL stories which say that the peasant king is not an alternative name for the majestic one, but rather a satanic or demonic figure in opposition to the majestic one, a sort of adversary magician to all that is good and right. In any case, the story we are exploring today is an LNL story. It is common that the LNL require people who are new to their service to hear this story before being put to work. Uh, it, it is common, by the way, for the LNL to bring human teens into their service in exchange for a judicious use of magic. This particular version of the story is one that was shared with a human teen in the recent past by a storyteller paid by an LNL patron. It is interesting to note that while this is a creation story of sorts, it is not a story of the actual creation of the sunlit lands. Rather, it is a story of the preferred social structures, culture, and authority lines of the sunlit lands, or as the LNL call it, the ordering of the world. Most scholars agree this is a later version of the myth. The, the LNL, by the way, are very uncomfortable with calling their stories myths. There is a feeling that this downplays the historical accuracy of the story and thus undermines the moral conclusions that the LNL are in authority as a result of a direct order of the majestic one. In any case, most scholars agree this is a later version largely because of the shift in vocabulary from a more modern telling, a sort of storytelling feel, to archaic usage. Most likely, this story was originally an epic poem shared orally, which was cannibalized to create this more didactic tale, complete with commentary and moral direction. In any case, it's a wonderful story, and one I gathered myself from a human team, uh, excuse me, a human teen named Shula Bishara, who had been in service to the LNL. One moment. <clears throat> Here, listen closely. The Ordering of the World, an LNL story. When the world was young and foolish, the people burned the cities. The oceans, enraged with violence, flooded villages and carried away children. The ground shook and the sky wept blood. The people cried out day and night for help. And so it came to pass that a magician, the most powerful of his age or any other, set out to repair the world. He had many names, but the Elenil call him the Majestic One. The Majestic One spoke, and his word was law. Order, he called, and all the world stopped to listen. Stop this foolish violence. Cease this chaos and come to me. 
for I shall remake the world. But of all the people, only two came to him. The rest fought and tore at one another and screamed their defiance. The names of the two who came to him were Ella and Nala. He blessed them and said, In the ancient speech of wizards and knights, I declare ye, Ella and Nala, lords of light and guardians of the wide world. All shall be under your dominion, water and wood, stone and fire, desert and ocean, light and darkness, and your descendants shall be called the Elenil. And he placed a tower in the center of the sunlit lands and called it far-seeing. Together with Ella and Nala and their children, the Elenil, the majestic one tamed the peoples who warred with one another. The conflict turned bitter more than once, but none could stand for long against the might of the majestic one or his servants, the Elenil. When the war was ended and all had pledged fealty to the majestic one, he gathered the people and divided them into seven groups to receive their rewards and punishments and to give each people their own lands and homes so there would be no more war forever. When he spoke, each person heard his voice in their own mind as if he spoke to them and them alone. First he spoke to the raiders who had harassed and harried the Elenil camps. Kakri, desert dweller, eyes touched by the moon, thou shalt be silenced by sand in thy throat. Thou shalt flee to the east and walk dunes alone, in sunshine and shadow, eater of carrion. Thy sister shall be the crow, thy brother the hyena. And so the Majestic One sent away the Kakri, and they live in the desert to the east, beyond the Tolmin Pass. They build no houses and plant no crops. To the children of Grom, the Majestic One said, How often hast thou dug beneath the walls of my fortress, short of stature? Surly and clever, O child of Grom, thy home shall be beneath the ground. Thou shalt hoard silver and gold, jewels and precious metals. None shall be as skilled with hammer and tong, and none more obstinate than the Magrom. So the children of Grom went away to the world beneath the world, and there they remain until this very day. The Majestic One watched them leave, and when they had gone, he turned to those who had found him and fought him in the great southern forests, those who had attacked from the trees as archers and bandits. To them, he said, in Aluvoria grow the mighty trees so tall they touch the sun. In their shadow thou shalt dwell and breathe the breath of leaves. Be thou a quiet and harmless people. Thus the Aluvorians left in peace to populate the woods of the world. They are a gentle race, though some say they have come to love their trees more than people, a great misfortune. To those who had been pirates upon the sea, the Majestic One declared, Live thou, Johnine, among waves and currents, wind and weather and the deep, forever wanderers, Without a home, thou shalt be a melancholy people, changeable, strange, and lonely.
as the sea. So the Janin were swept away like driftwood. They cannot live long when separated from the water. It is a great marvel to see one at the market of Farsing, but occasionally such traders do appear with strange stories and stranger wares. Those who had used magic in their battle against the majestic one, he called human, to remind them they were neither gods nor beings of power, but only mortals. Human, thou shalt live upon another earth, a people of science and dust, bereft of magic, short-lived and passionate. There shall still be beauty and wonder among you. In great need may you return to the sunlit lands, for thou art our cousin and neighbor. At last all who remained before the majestic one were the Elenil, his servants of old, and the most rebellious of the people, who would come to be called the skim. They were evil things, their hearts filled with wickedness and foul deeds. They trembled before the majestic one, for his face shone like glowing metal. Indeed, his face shone with a righteous anger, and they feared he would destroy them completely. Thou skim, I banish to outer darkness a land as black as thine heart. Thou shalt live by eating thy brethren's scraps, servants of darkness and night. In blackness shalt thou dwell, and in that eternal midnight may thine outer appearance match thy corrupted nature. The skim wailed and begged for mercy, but the majestic one stood unmoved. He commanded his Elenil to remove the skim from his presence, and they drove the creatures south and east to the wasted lands, where shadows cling and sunlight dares not go. So it is that we say, Janin on the western waters, Aluvorians in forests dispersed, to the east the Kakri wanders, the skim and deep darkness accursed. Humans from magic are fleeing, Magrum and dark earth beneath. Elenil rule from far seeing, In lands by our master bequeathed. The majestic one keeps all in his sight, Elenil first, in the warmth of his light. Isn't that a wonderful story? I hope you enjoyed that. Did you notice the difference in the portrayal of the majestic one from last week's story about the peasant king? It's quite a difference. Did you notice? You may also have noticed the reference to humans in the story as a human myself. I find the ramifications of the Elenil story here of great interest, as I'm sure you do. I suppose most of you, dear listeners, are human as well. Though I would not be shocked to discover an Alivorian or a Magrum among the audience. Note that the Elenil say that once upon a time, humans used magic, that in fact the human race were among the most prodigious of magic users, and that our rebellion against the Majestic One is precisely what caused our downfall and removal from the Sunlit Lands. This explains, according to the Elenil in any case, 
why today humans come to the Sunlit Lands only through invitation and a process run by and overseen by the Elenil themselves. Note also that humans are welcome, but primarily in times of trouble, a condition taken quite seriously by the Elenil, who are most likely to bring human beings into the Sunlit Lands if they are the victims of trauma, refugees, living in unbelievable poverty, orphans, people with serious illnesses, and so on. In fact, it is to such youths that my upcoming book, The Crescent Stone, follows. Madeline Oliver, a young woman with a terminal lung disease, and Jason Wu, a young man with a tragic family history, are invited to enter the Sunlit Lands as servants of the LNL. In exchange, Ms. Oliver is healed of her terminal disease. And Mr. Wu, well, I won't ruin the surprise, but he receives certain magical payment as well. Despite what some others may say to you, this book, The Crescent Stone, is a true story, and I promise you will find it both compelling and fantastical. In fact, New York Times bestselling novelist Tosca Lee has this to say about it. Matt Michelotis has penned a tale straight out of today's headlines that will tug at your heartstrings. The Crescent Stone is a compelling story that will get under your skin and worm its way into your heart. Tosca Lee, New York Times bestselling author of Iscariot and the Legend of Sheba. Thank you, Tosca Lee. I particularly appreciate the acknowledgement that this is a true story straight out of today's headlines. It is nice to know that despite the magic, the unicorns, the sword fights and monsters, that discerning readers recognize the clear basis in truth. The Crescent Stone arrives in bookstores everywhere on August 7th, 2018. Next week, we will return to the skim with the legend of Ronaldo the Wise. This is a particularly interesting one. I look forward to sharing it with you. Thank you for joining us on the Welcome to the Sunlit Lands podcast. I am Matt Michelotis, your host, saying farewell. Until next time.